1: slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever
2: you listen to your favorite podcasts.
3: Who they think going to beat Bengals?
2: It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisco. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you.
0: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe and I back together for what feels like the first time in months. It's been weeks, realistically. Not even weeks, days. It's just been a while, okay, guys? And We haven't had a lot of shows together lately. Been doing a lot of solo recording. So we are both, I think, excited to get together and do another episode of the Mailbag. And Joe, are you ready to debate the merits of Joe Burrow as a top quarterback in the 2020 NFL Draft? You know I am. I'm all prepared and ready to go. I knew you would be. Besides that, we've got to get you updated on the latest news and notes out of Cincinnati. Some injury notes, and a lot of this centers around the wide receiver position. And then the biggest news, I think, is Cordy Glenn might make his first start a tackle for the Bengals if all things go according to plan this week. So, Joe, let's start with the wide receiver situation for Cincinnati. A.J. Green out with an injury, most likely another week at least. He was on the rehab field with trainers today, again, rehabbing that ankle. John Ross still a few weeks away. Tyler Boyd, he will play. The only one of those top three guys that will play, but who has emerged as the number one in the absence of John Ross and A.J. Green? Auden Tate, he is not likely to play this week after he suffered a concussion on that nasty little neck injury he took last week.
2: Yeah, so that leaves them with really guys that are slot guys, slow receivers. Again, it's been an issue for a while since losing John Ross. They just haven't had the speed at the receiver position. But the only guy that was getting deep and affecting the third level of the of the field was Auden Tate. So if you subtract him from this offense, again, things are going to get tightened down even more. I think they have been, even with Tate in the lineup because of Ryan Finley's limitations, but overall, it's not going to open up until probably John Ross or AJ Green return, which
0: as of now, we might look at week 13, and that's when Ross comes
2: back. He's the healthiest of the
0: group. What did you think of that deep throw he had to Damian Willis down the sideline in the fourth down? Everyone talks about that Tyler Boyd was open on that play, but did you think that was a good throw? Well, it was based on the coverage. I think he saw the coverage and that there may be a safety
2: in the middle of the field, and he thought. All right, I'm going to go to one of the boundary guys or split the seam, which was what uh, Damian Wills was basically doing. It ended up not being that. It was a cover zero and everyone was man covered and he could have hit Boyd easily on the slant. So he was open. It's just that I think Finley read and threw. He, he didn't let, you know, let the play develop or anything. I, that's kind of
0: some of the criticism we've had on Dalton uh, for a long time. And, and it seems that Finley is in the same mold. Well, we always thought Finley was going to have some of the similar characteristics as Dalton did. And I think you described that similarly to the way Callahan did. He said, you can't fault the throw. He made a read and liked the matchup and he -hmm. took the chance. But Callahan also said the underneath guy was there. You kind of have to throw the ball there and get the first down. So interesting to hear that alignment from you and the Bengals offensive coordinator there. Not really a surprise. For the Steelers, though, also a litany of injuries at the wide receiver position. Juju Smith-Schuster will not play this week. He's got a concussion and a knee injury that he's dealing with. But Deontay Johnson, who also suffered a concussion last week, was a full participant in practice today. So that's a surprise and a welcome one for the Steelers, who will certainly be without Marquise Pouncey. So you imagine they'll lean on the tight ends because James Conner's out with an injury, too. Yeah, you, you think that's probably what's going to happen. And it's a good thing
2: that Deontay Johnson for them is healthy. I don't know if you've watched last few weeks, but, man, he looks like a typical uh, Steeler receiver. And I don't hate him yet because he really hasn't affected the, the Bengals yet. I, I assume we'll grow to hate him. But as of right now, um, he's
0: a young guy that I think will be good, and it's good to see him out there getting reps. All he has to do for Bengals fans to not hate him is not have a touchdown celebration that involves mocking a player that he just concussed. Mm. Or not talk trash the way Antonio Brown talked trash. Also, Antonio Brown liked to stick his cleats into punter's helmets, which is not a desirable trait. No, that's not allowed, uh, apparently. But uh, did we hate... Well, we
2: hated Hans Ward because he celebrated, had a goofy grin, and liked to block our players that didn't deserve to be blocked. But then, like, I don't remember minding Plex Gober as much, Not at uh, but Santonio Holmes, because he beat them in some epic fashions, you know, over time and long plays, uh, was the only reason I disliked Santonio. But I bet a lot of Bengals fans never felt that, is he was a Ohio State product, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, I didn't really mind Antonio Holmes. I was more annoyed with his existence because he yeah. wasn't very good. He made some huge plays in his career in mm-hmm. incredibly clutch moments, including in that Super Bowl, right? Yeah. But he just he he wasn't ever a consistently good player. So I didn't have anything really against against Antonio Holmes. It really comes down to Ben Roethlisberger, right? Nobody likes that guy. Bill Cowher didn't like that guy either. Those guys are gone. And now instead, you've got another coach, Mike Tomlin, who just after that Cleveland game, I don't think our guys did anything to deserve that. And we, the Bengals fans, are sitting here thinking, just take accountability for once.
2: Right. Because you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you push people to this limit. I don't think they recognize that. I think the bully never thinks they're doing anything wrong. And as soon as they get hit, they, they look at the teacher or whatever and say, uh, see, he, he, he hit me. Yeah, but you've been pushing him all day long.
0: All day long, all year long for decades, depending on who you ask. So the Steelers looks like Deontay Johnson might play this week. Don't expect to see James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster, but the Bengals will have to find a way to score points against a very good defense. And on the other hand, who's going to score in this game? Probably somebody in the secondary for the Steelers. I was going to say, so Finley's given up
2: two touchdowns, one fumble return, one pick six returned. He also threw an interception and had a fumble again last week. So back-to-back weeks with going one and one, the chances are pretty high for Steelers defense that have been really good this year that they're going to score and probably be the difference in this game. But
0: the Bengals seem to be getting a little bit of help on the offensive line as it looks like Cordy Glenn may get the start at left tackle. Yeah, we hadn't mentioned that yet. Cordy Glenn is practicing this week with the intent to start. So we'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the week. Attention past, present, and future MyBookie players, during Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. I know this is a Bengals podcast, but this is free money. Choose a team against the spread for up to $250, and if you win, congratulations, you've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, well, congratulations to you as well, because my bookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer, because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy, Joe. Just log on to
2: mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code LOCKED ON. And MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk free bet. Let me repeat that's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You
0: simply cannot lose. Go over to mybookie.ag, make your deposit with promo code LOCKEDON for that free deposit match. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. We're just about back here to take your questions for the week. Before we get into it, just want to give you a quick reminder. You can get $5 off your first order of $15 or more from DoorDash using promo code LOCKEDON. And if you can't remember all of the great offers available on the Locked On Podcast Network... Check out LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, Joe, I want to talk about Joe Burrow a little bit here because while I think I agree that he is a worthy quarterback, and I think that I agree with you that the Bengals are more likely to pick him at number one than any other player if they get that number one pick, I have some concerns about some uh, some holes in his game. As you should.
2: I mean, we're not talking about a guy that's, Andrew Luck or the like, you know, the the slam dunk guy who's been at the top for a long time, to where you can feel comfortable with some of his issues, knowing that he can overcome them in any offense in any situation. So, Jake, go ahead. You try and give me uh, some of the concerns, and I'll maybe try and put a little. I'll try and douse the fire if you want, or put it out. How do you How do you want me to take this?
0: Well, let's just have a conversation, right? You can hear what I what I think, what my concerns are, then. Because I do still think he's a very good player, right? And he's put up extraordinary numbers at the college level, really at an unprecedented level. But I watched three games last night of Joe Burrow. I watched his games against the hardest defenses he's played this year. I watched him against Florida, against Auburn, and against Alabama. And I thought, for how well he started that game against Alabama, and I didn't see the second half of this game live, I don't think. Okay. He was bad in the second half until the end of the game, until the fourth quarter, until it was crunch time. He was missing guys r- routinely. Yeah. yeah, third quarter in particular. I think he was pretty bad. And I've got, just looking at where he throws the ball, I, I think that he 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 isn't comfortable throwing outside numbers, especially intermediate. He, he dramatically prefers middle of field. That's very obvious. Just if you're paying attention to it, it, mm-hmm. it, it jumps off the tape at you, I think. Love his deep accuracy. That's great. Worry about just generally throwing outside the numbers. So let's start there. Let's start talking about outside the numbers throws and whether I should rightfully be concerned about this.
2: No, you should. And that's the concern. Lance Irline tweeted that during, I think it was last week's game. Uh, it might have been two weeks ago. But he said that that's probably the concern, is the arm strength for the deep outs and and things like that. Anything 10 to 15-yard sideline throw uh, they tend to float on him. If you watch both of his interceptions from last week, they both did the same thing. And you come away with, okay, um, so that may be an issue for him. And you, when you get the breakdown of where his throws are targeted, like you said, you see LSU's offense, or Joe Burrow is picking this, but I think LSU's offense focuses him into the middle of the field. It's very similar to the Norland Saints type offense. And, and I think if you are drafting Joe Burrow, you're not just saying, he's not the type that, to me, I say, okay, we're going to fit this uh, or you're going to transcend our offense. We're, instead you're saying we're going to fit our offense to you because we think if we maximize your potential, you can be a very good quarterback. And what that means is more throws over the middle. And I don't, that doesn't mean he can't throw to the outside. It just has to be a favorable situation. His numbers are still pretty decent when throwing in that range, but that is his weakest spot, that 10 to 15 yard or 10 to 20 yards boundary area or are where he's at his, his worst.
0: Against Alabama and Auburn combined, he completed two of six passes outside the numbers in the intermediate part of the field. He only took six shots of that area in the first place and completed 33% of them. And those are the best defenses he's played, I think, this year. A little bit better against Florida there. Actually, he was one of one outside numbers intermediate. So against these good defenses, and this is the second concern, is that the numbers aren't there quite the same way against the good defenses. Still had a really good game against Florida. Still had some really good moments against Alabama, but disappeared in that third quarter. Came back good at the end of the game. But in the NFL, that's going to be more weeks than not. You're going to be facing these defenses and know how to take away what you're good at. And somebody's going to figure out, we take away the middle of the field intermediate. All he has left is underneath stuff and deep sideline.
2: Well, that's what defenses have been doing Nandy Dalton for a long time. And they say, okay, we are going to try and take this away and make you make these far hash throws or these outside throws. The Bengals counter that, and how you counter that when building your roster is by having good weapons over the middle. But when you've got an A.J. Green and a Marvin Jones, mm-hmm. when you've got an A.J. Green and a John Ross, you can't play a single high safety. So you have to play cover two, which opens up the middle of the field and lets your quarterback dominate in that range. And you get him a good slot receiver, you get him a good tight end, and you don't worry about it. So, yes. Arm strength is an issue in terms of uh he, feeling like he can hit any throw at any time. This isn't Justin Herbert, where you look at his chart and you go, He can make any throw. There is nothing in the playbook you have to limit on Justin Herbert. But with Joe Burrow, you may have to. Having said all that, because it sounds like we're we're tipping towards the negative side of it, having said all that, his touch accuracy, anticipation, ball placement, even on these throws, like I want to people have concern about arm strength watch him move, watch him throw with his feet off the ground, watch him throw when he's off base or off platform and still pinpoint a throw 25 yards downfield to the spot where the defender can't touch it. That is a sign of good arm strength. And it's because he's a really good athlete. So, Like Andy Dalton, when he has to move or his feet are off the ground or he's got someone nudging his hip as pressure is coming, his accuracy instantly drops. And that's a sign that he can't throw with all arm. He needs to have everything perfect under him, where I don't see that with Joe Burrow. I see it as, okay, his arm is good enough. Maybe it's something that he has to work on. Now, the the counter to that, and you may be ready for this, I already loaded, that he will be 23 in a a couple weeks. There may not be that another step in physical development for him.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about age. I feel like we've have talked about that before. We will talk about it again. I was only going to talk about things that I actually saw on tape okay. or when I saw on tape and then compared it to the chart. So the outside numbers was something I was concerned about. The down performances against Auburn and Alabama is something that I think there's I don't nothing... think they're
2: down, though. I think that's good. To, see, every, it doesn't matter if you play in the SEC or say he's a, a Pac-12 quarterback. Let's say Justin Herbert gets in the in the playoffs and he gets to face um, LSU or Alabama or, or even Georgia, whoever wins that championship. That's the first tape any coach is going to put on because those defenses are so good that if you throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns, they are going to be happy. You may have a down quarter. You may have a couple of third downs where you missed, and he definitely did in that third quarter range. Overall, it's still a very good game for him. He completed eighty percent of his passes, and, and you know, won in a shootout versus a guy that could score at any point during, during that game in Tua.
0: Yeah, I think that he. I'm not saying it was a, a bad game. I'm saying it was a down game. It was not as dominant as the rest of his games were. Even though he completed what seventy five percent, seventy nine percent of his passes. Yeah, right. That's how high the standard is. His numbers are insane. They are insane. He does get a lot of help from his receivers. That's something else I noticed. He's getting a lot of yards after catch, which isn't an indictment. It is part of the game, certainly, and, and throwing your Especially receivers. Especially when you play with good team, a good surrounding cast. That's right. going to happen. And he's putting his guys in position to make some of those plays sometimes. Other times they're just incredible individual plays from some of these LSU receivers that are really good. But, so
2: just take his SEC games and then the playoffs, as we suspect they'll be in, and if we just evaluated those seven to eight games, you know, depending on how it goes, I think we'd still walk away and say, "Yep, he's the number one pick."
0: If if you're if you're saying it's not Tua because of his hip, sure, right, right. And we'll get to that, those questions in the mailbag because I definitely saw some of those. Yeah. So the other the other big thing that I saw when I was watching Burrow is I feel like there are times, and I'm sure this is something he can work on and learn because he is a very good athlete, as you mentioned. And because he's white, he's going to be called sneaky fast or whatever. And it's all bullshit. He's a good athlete, period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But sometimes he looks to run a little bit sooner than I want him to. And and sometimes it looks like it becomes a little bit of a habit. A lot of times he's really good at keeping his eyes downfield and making plays outside of the structure. But then a lot of times he, he does get caught. And in the NFL, his speed won't play the way it does, even in the SEC.
2: Right, and I do know what you're talking about. There are – I think he's a quick – I've been calling him a quick processor. I think a lot of times he goes, oh, this is a play I can run on, and just snaps and runs. Yeah. Whereas you'd like a guy to remain a passer as long as possible. But he is a good runner, and because he is, he uses it as a weapon in college. And I don't have a problem with it if he chooses correctly. There's only a few times where I've said, oh, he shouldn't have run there. He got you know one yard and that was it. It's not like Andy Dalton dropping his eyes and running – went and there's guys running open downfield. I feel like when Burrow does it, he goes, oh, it's man coverage. I got this. I got one read and this guy's open or I mean the lanes open and he takes off. I'm completely cool with those
0: plays. Have you watched the Auburn game? Yeah, I think that's the one that you look at when you want to see here are the that was his worst game of the season. I agree. So that that's the game you want to look at if you want to say, OK, where's the downside? What am I concerned about? Uh, we, we've we talked about age. I, I still have the age concern but but those are the big ones that he sometimes runs a little bit sooner than I wanted to. And I, I'm a little bit worried about how well he's been able to take advantage of the middle of the field and the intermediate part of the field. He's still he, he it's not like he can't throw outside the numbers, period. But with those mm-hmm. wide hashes in college, it, it is a little bit different. And when he's throwing outside numbers, a lot of that's deep. And he's very good in that part of the field. So I love yeah. his deep accuracy. Uh, I, oh, the last thing I was going to say is I think he sometimes relies on the back shoulder throw a little bit too much. And I think that you see that work a lot if you get good receivers that you're on the same page with. But I'm a little bit concerned he, he got in trouble with that. Uh, he, he threw an interception that way against Auburn where it's a back shoulder throw. And yeah, he, he did drop some of the bucket, but there aren't as many bucket throws on those deep shots as Not like I would Tula. like to see.
2: Yeah. Exactly, yeah. or like where the guy's streaking downfield and he just nails it, right? Yeah. Uh, he and I think that's that to me is the bigger sign of his arm strength limitation. And now, while, while we see Aaron Rodgers do it all the time, that's not an arm strength limitation. I think he's taking advantage of coverage. Uh, maybe to a, I mean, I'm sorry, maybe Joe Burrow is mentally just saying, "Okay, let me take advantage here." But some of those throws, especially like the Auburn one, where he puts it up and you go, "I'm not sure uh, that you know he's meaning to go
0: back shoulder." I, that ball just may have died. I kind of think he was on that particular play, maybe not, but I think he knows that Jamar Chase, and I think it was Chase that was targeted on that one, is such a good jump ball player that he's very comfortable making that throw. We've had a whole segment here talking about Joe Burrow. We're going to do this, I think, more as we get into the tape a little bit more, but we have a lot of questions to get to, so let's get into that next.
2: Because we went so long on that one, we'll probably do a segment tomorrow answering questions as, well, we can only preview the Steelers game so much. So let's start from the top here of what we do have, and it's from Ronnie at Ronson92. And, Jake, this goes with the Joe Burrow conversation. And he asks, if Tua gets cleared medically by the staff, so this is a key point here, if he gets cleared medically, would you take him
0: top three in round one? We've got all the tape we need on Tua Tunga Viola. We've got the age in his favor, the production in his favor, the incredible, incredible deep accuracy in his favor. Mm -hmm. Yes, I still like Tua a lot, and I would still take him early. I would too.
2: You're telling me he's medically cleared, and I know he's had a, a string of injuries. A lot of stuff, too, that that doesn't even, I don't think, gets really attention because he leaves games with limp or whatever happens so often. I mean, for the last two years, it's happened repeatedly. I think when you look at the history of Alabama players coming out and they're injured and banged up, and it's very common. I think Nick Saban runs those guys on the ground in an effort to win national championships, and it works. But, you know, he's not there to produce NFL prospects either, and I think this sometimes it takes these guys uh, some time, and the Bengals could afford the luxury of letting Tua uh, rest or get healthy if, if needed. I think evaluation-wise, because that part is done, it says Tua Tumabalua is a top five pick. Easy.
0: And and I think I still have him, for reasons that we talked about, a little bit ahead of Joe Burrow, but I haven't really studied Tua to that degree either. I just think that he has done any, anything and everything that you would want a quarterback prospect to do. Burrow does some things better, for sure. I think he's a better athlete. I think he's a better runner. But mm-hmm. I, I think that Tua makes throws that just blow your mind, and that is something that I am willing to gamble on. Your I think ex- he's a little bit better in the pocket too, twitchy in the pocket,
2: where he can, yeah, it, how Russell Wilson does, where he, he bounces in and out of, of and
0: creates space and buys space and time. Both guys, I think, are really good at dealing with pressure. They are. Joe Burrow more in a, I'm going to spin out of your arms and then I'm going to run for 10 yards, and Tua more like, I'm going to, reset my feet five five different inches and I'm gonna deliver a 30-yard pass Tony Romo versus Russell Wilson basically both guys
2: really good in the pocket but they do it differently
0: and 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 the other thing I really like about both of these guys it makes it even harder to differentiate between them both of them have lightning quick releases and can throw Mm -hmm. off platform although I think Tua has some more arm angles in the arsenal from what we've seen so far they're extremely similar,
2: way more similar than I think people just looking at the surface would say because their their strengths are their processing, their field awareness, their ball placement, um, and really just they make the talent around them even better. So those are things, and pocket presence, like you said, those are things we weren't really getting the last few years out of Andy Dalton and much of his career. They would be upgrades drastically no matter who you pick.
0: Right. Next question comes from Kevin Brown at KD Brown 357 on Twitter. If we don't pick first, just how much should the Bengals be willing to give away to get Joe Burrow? Okay, so they don't pick first.
2: Say they're second or third. Yikes. Um, that means you get you have to eliminate Tua or Justin Herbert and or both. If you're saying you, that there's a clear divide or a gap between Burrow and the next guy, you give up whatever it takes, I, which could be – Obviously, next year's first and a couple more picks that maybe
0: this year and next year second. Um, it could cost two first and two seconds to move up. It's crazy how wrong the draft chart gets when mm-hmm. it's like trading from three or two to one. Or because, when a quarterback's involved. Oh, yeah. Well, because like if Washington goes and ends up with the first overall pick, they could take a quarterback themselves. This is a question we have later. So we're just going to answer this now, I think. They could take a quarterback themselves because we just saw what what, uh, Arizona do this. They don't have to be married to Dwayne Haskins. They're about to get a new coaching staff. Mm -hmm. So sure, they might take a quarterback. And then beyond that, if they don't want to take a quarterback, they're absolutely shopping that pick hard because there's so many teams that will want a quarterback this year and somebody will trade them, like you said, multiple firsts. So the Bengals would have to be willing to play ball. Right, exactly.
2: You're going to have to outbid somebody, which I think is the situation that would occur. Next question kind of goes into that from Alex Grigsby. He he asks, if the Redskins take Burrow number one,
0: who do we take at number two? It depends on whether they like the quarterbacks, right, and what's right. going on with Tua. So it's either Tua, Herbert, or trade back?
2: Maybe. Or... I mean,
0: if you don't like the quarterbacks, then you take the best guy. Or, or you either take Chase Young there or Andrew Thomas, if you want to get a tackle and just solidify the offensive line, hopefully for years to come with, with Thomas and and uh, Jonah. Right. But I think you have to consider, well, maybe one of these other teams is in love with Tua or in love with Herbert, and they want to trade you three first-round picks to get there. And then if that sort of offer comes, that's when you consider trading back. Say somebody's threatening, right, and Miami's picking four. And somebody's threatening to take one of those quarterbacks that Miami really wants, and you get Miami on the phone and say, hey, give us you know, your three first-round picks, and we'll move back to four. Sure. Then you do that, and you take right. your tackle, and you take whatever else you can get. That's the thing about, I think, uh, some
2: fans are like, oh, it's okay if the Redskins pick number one because they're not going to take a quarterback, which they could. Uh, but I don't want the Dolphins coming from four or three to one and giving up the farm because they have the ammunition to get in front of you now yeah. you're like me Jake where we would take to and just say okay fine you know yeah. I, and I like Justin Herbert so you know I wouldn't be mad at that either so I, I guess I am sitting there like um yes I want Joe Burrow number one but if the worst comes to worst and they're picking two or three I still think there's a worthy
0: quarterback there are some reasons to argue and and I know I gave who was it, Vance Meek or was it James it was James Rapine. I gave him some so a hard time for saying Herbert could be just as good as either of those guys. But he does have the arm that's just as good as anybody. Oh, yeah. He just has more head-scratching moments. So, sure, a team could fall in love with, with Herbert easy and say we can. he's 21. He has time to, to learn and grow. And that's the thing that you have to remember with, with Burrow. When we talk about age, he has two more years of football Mm -hmm. college, football, practice, experience, whatever you want to call it, than Herbert does. So if you draft Herbert, Herbert in two years is is Burrow today. And that's NFL training time. That's
2: the question, too. Same with Tua and him being injured because he's also 21. You may say, well, it's not just who's the best quarterback in April of 2020. It's who's the best quarterback in 2021, 2022, and so on. Because, obviously, you need this guy to also be – um, you want to make that pick with that in mind. You know, when you take a, a Mitch Trubisky with his one year and say, well, he's the best guy now, they weren't considering maybe, I think, the fact of how young Watson and Mahomes were and what they could be in two years and, well, we
0: see what they are. And I think that's something the Bengals will have to consider. And keeping that in mind, Andrew, Andrew88G, asks us, should the Bengals do a Robert Griffin the third, Kirk Cousins kind of situation where they double-dip at quarterback? I'm not against that. I think
2: you draft a quarterback every year at some point and just you know, if you hit, then you hit. If not, I think you hit but the part the hard part is those backup guys don't often get a lot of snaps and especially if you have a third quarterback we people ask about Dolagala, he's not out there getting reps at all. So uh you know, if you do that, remember Cousins was the primary backup. There were as soon as RG RG three got hurt, Cousins was inserted in year one and year two. It's so you kind of have to say, well, Ryan Finley's out the door if that happens, and or you're keeping three guys, I guess, is possible. And they kept three guys this year, so you never yeah. know. Next question's from go away Mike Brown at Duter the. Do you think they will cut Kirkpatrick and re-sign Darquez Denard?
0: I think we got another question about who should the Bengals cut, who should they extend, so we'll just roll that into this one. Okay. I think that there is a very clear possibility that they move on from Drake Kirkpatrick if they can keep Darquez Zinnard who has been probably their best corner this year in the two games he's played I think they're going to look at the fact that Drake Kirkpatrick has given them a lot of good production and they might be tempted to try to keep both guys B.W. Webb is just a guy and it's going to depend on what happens with Luana Rumo too right because if Luana sure. Rumo's gone then so is Kerry Wynn for sure and he might be anyway and so is B.W. Webb those are, those are Anarumo guys through and through. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you expect some roster turn to happen at some point. And Denard has been good. He's been the solid guy that you expect him to be. And Kirkpatrick has been exactly who Drake Kirkpatrick is. So from a salary perspective, that might be a full-out wash. And, uh, yeah, I can see that. And then who else, Joe? Who else are we looking at moving on from? Because Paul Dana kind of did an outline of this as to how they could free up And I looked at how they could free up about $100 million going into free agency.
2: And one point I want to make on the Kirkpatrick-Denard thing, it's not a one-for-one swap because they're really playing two different positions. Denard is at best in the slot where he can be physical, he can defend the run, uh, and his lack of speed isn't going to be as big of an issue where Drake-Kirkpatrick is a boundary corner and those guys are typically a little bit more valuable. Although Kirkpatrick has had a rocky career, to be honest, uh, from play to play. So it would be more of are you more comfortable just inserting BW Webb as that guy right now and releasing Drake Kirkpatrick? I don't know that I am comfortable with that, given or, what we've seen. But, or Darius Phillips. Right. I'd love to see over the last final few weeks, if they let Darius Phillips get out there and play and help make this decision based on how they're playing everyone else and talking about evaluation mode, well, then maybe we, we do see that. And that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, I think if Phillips was healthy right now, we'd be seeing him significantly because they're the, the, who, who are their corners? I mean, it's, it's rough at corner. And that's a need, by the way. Oh, yeah. Corner, yeah, defensive tackle, linebacker. It shouldn't have been a need if they would have kept Devontae Harris. It would be less letter. of a need because Devontae oh. Harris is playing serviceably for sure. And it looks like Darius Phillips, when he's been on the field, he's been good. Right, and you you went back-to-back in the fifth round with two corner picks. If they would have both worked out, that
2: would have been tremendous, whoever uh, signed off on those ones. So uh, other guys I'd look at are the obvious of Carlos Dunlap. although I'd much rather they trade and get something for him. I think, I guess, Sean Williams could be uh, because they've, I mean, he's in the category of of maybe a a step or two above Preston Brown. But I I thought it was interesting how quickly Preston Brown was signed by another team. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I think other teams look at the Bengals and go, whatever happens there stays there. they're Vegas they are this isn't applicable for everyone else. You sign a contract like Bobby Hart, don't bring that shit to me when we're when we're offering you a uh you know the our right tackle say i'm the say I'm the buccaneers and i got an offer for my right tackle and he goes, well, look at the Bengals gave this to Bobby Hart. you just don't even bring that shit over here because that is that's the that's the Twilight zone over there. so I think they probably look at the Bengals and some of these players if they're performing worse and say, We'll get better than that. We'll get you know. We can turn Rex Burkett into a more of a of a role player for us, or and so on. So and now it doesn't always work out that way. Obviously, the free agency isn't like that. But uh, I think Sean Williams could be on that list. I, I think other guys on the offensive line. When I look at him, Billy Price isn't giving you anything right now. It's not crazy for the third year Eric Flowers types that just don't work to be cut at that point. Uh, and I think the when you look and say maybe Giovanni Bernard again, but they just extended him, I think he's going to be on that list and forever until he retires.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much guaranteed money outstanding for Gio either, so I don't know that there's a big cap. It's also not a big cap savings. Right. I mean, he's paid a lot for a for running back, but running backs aren't paid a lot. So it's not like keeping Gio is significantly restraining them from spending money elsewhere. I Randy mean, Andy, yeah, get Randy Bullock off my goddamn football team. <laughs> Did
2: you see that kick? That I saw was crazy, both of right? them. Right. That's a, I was laughing at the first one. People were like, oh, it was wide, le- wide right or wide left the second one. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about the 55-yarder they called timeout on that. 53. He didn't – whatever. That didn't even reach the back of the end zone. <laughs> you see that and you go, god damn, I wonder why that's why they don't
0: even try these. I'm sick of Randy Bullock. I mean – I don't. I don't even want to talk about it. Andy Dalton's the an obvious salary that will be shed next year, one way That's or right. another, for sure. Yeah. And who else is there? Bobby Hart is certainly a candidate. Trade John Ross, I think, could happen. If, I mean, these, all these
2: other guys have have stepped up. Well, Tate and Erickson have played and produced. I think if you get AJ Green, you extend him. Yeah. And they say we want Tate to play. You spend a fourth round pick on a receiver in a crazy
0: class and all yeah. of a sudden you're like, you know, this do we need John Ross in his fifth year option? I mean, you find Deontay Johnson late in the late in the draft and then you can feel okay about it, I guess, but y- you, you replace... find Autumn State late in the draft. Yeah, but you need to replace speed
2: when you replace John you Ross. You do. It's the hardest part about it, yes. hundred percent. They do not have Obviously, they don't have anybody else to match it, but they don't have anyone else running under a 4-4 right now.
0: Well, even if AJ's out there, you, you need speed. So that's why I'm yeah. like... AJ's probably running a four five five
2: right now, right? Yeah. Based on what we've seen. him, He didn't get deep at all last year.
0: Not, uh, well, out of the slot a couple times, right? Yes, right. Yeah. Which is different. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm on board with them moving John Ross right now. I think he does a little bit too much for them, but maybe... Maybe. I could see it. I think we're out of time, Joe. All right. That is what it is. We'll get to the rest of these tomorrow.
2: I'll, I'll do a segment answering questions. Yeah, here. I like
0: answering questions. So we'll answer some Me more too. questions tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, it's Steelers week version two. You can't lose this week. The Bengals lose. Well, they are still in line for number one. The Bengals win. Well, that sucks a little bit, but the Steelers lose. So that is a significant cushion to the blow. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, have a good one.